I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown, Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome, Raider Nation, to the Silver and Black Today podcast, an Odyssey original podcast. Guess who's back again? Alone, solo, Mo Moten joining you again. My partner and co-host Scott Gobranson is out with a COVID bug. Wish him well. But today, you're stuck with me again. Apparently, I didn't run the podcast into the ground. They haven't disconnected my microphone. So I'll be joining you again today on Thursday to preview the Raiders-Patriots game. But I have a lot to talk about, actually. I'm going to talk about catfishing. I know that's going to sound weird, but it'll make sense later on. Also, going to pay a special tribute later on the show. More on that. But I want to start off with the biggest news of the day. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro back at practice. Their 21-day window has opened, and they can return or go back to IR. If, they, if they're not back by January 4th, that's between week 17 and 18. So just keep in mind that just because they're back at practice doesn't mean they're going to play on Sunday against the Patriots, it just means they're eligible to come back. Josh McDaniels today said he wants to see how both of them react, their bodies, how healthy they are, their conditioning, because that will in the end tell them if they're truly ready 
to come back and play football. So don't get your hopes up quite yet, but it is a positive sign to see them back on the practice field. Now, a lot of people are going to say, what does it matter? Uh, the Raiders basically don't have a chance to make the, make the playoffs. Very, very slim chances. As I said, on Wednesday, if the Raiders lose and the Miami Dolphins or Jets win or tie, the Raiders are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. So that tells you how slim their chances are. But that doesn't mean that you throw away the season. That doesn't mean that the season isn't important. That doesn't mean that these last four games don't matter. And I think it matters very much so for Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, who've been out for a lot of the season. I believe they've both either played five or six games this year. So to me, from what I've seen with them on the field, the chemistry isn't quite there yet in Josh McDaniel's system. So Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro need to build that chemistry with Derek Carr in a new system. Uh, specifically Hunter Renfro, um, as, I, as I said, he just didn't look like himself. Darren Waller had some drop issues, but you know drops can come and go with certain players. But I will start with Darren Waller. Right? So the Raiders signed him to an extension. Three years, $51 million, $22 million guaranteed. Uh, Hunter Renfro already, already got his extension as well. Two years, $31.7 million, $21 guaranteed. So similar in guarantees. But they're both important players to the, to the offense when they're healthy. So I'll start with Waller, right? If you, if you turn back the clock to 2020, Waller had 107 catches, 1,196 yards, Nine touchdowns. That's a team record topping Tim Brown for most catches in a single season for the Raiders. You want that player again. But it starts with him being healthy. And and it ends with him being effective and in tune with his quarterback. Now, I will say for a guy who gets a lot of attention, a lot of targets, a lot of catches, excluding the 2020 season, he has six touchdowns in 32 games between the 2019, 2021, and 2022 season. That's just not good enough in the red zone. Now, there was a clip earlier in the year where Waller basically said that Josh, not Josh, John Gruden didn't have a red zone plan for him, and that's why his touchdowns were down. Now, as I s- explained in, in the episode on Wednesday, Carr is part of the issue because he hasn't been making great decisions in the red zone. Again, the most intercessions since he's come in the league in 2014 among quarterbacks tied with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Phillip Rivers. So Carr is part of that problem. But of course, I think Gruden not having a red zone plan exacerbated Carr's red zone issues. But that's neither here nor there, right? Let's let's move forward and talk about looking ahead. Getting Darren Waller back on the field, I think that's the number one thing he has to work on with Carr. Red zone. Because as we all know, Devonta Adams can fill in those voids inside the 20. Devonta Adams is awesome at that. Uh, I believe he leads the league in touchdown reception. So... Devontae Adams, I don't want to say he has nothing to work on, but he's not the problem there. But Darren Waller, if Darren Waller and Carr can connect inside the 20 in the red zone, I think that would elevate Carr's numbers, and it would make Waller an even better pass-catching tight end. And now a lot of people consider him top three, top five pass-catching tight end already when healthy. Can you imagine if he became a, a, a touchdown machine in the red zone? It would put him maybe right behind... Travis Kelsey and a lot of people want to maybe debate Mark Andrews because he's been healthier and more effective but if Darren Waller can contribute in the red zone that would that would up his level completely so you want him back for that reason because you're you're building for the future it's not always about this year as I said forget about the playoffs in 2022 getting Waller and Renfro back is 
a lot for next year. Let's build that momentum now so that next year when we get into the season, you don't have to say, okay, we got to rebuild this chemistry. You missed so much time. Now you need to use the first weeks of the season and even uh, training camp to build that back up. No, build it back now. Get those guys on the field now so that they get that rolling for the 2023 season and it works like a well oil machine. Now I'll go to Hunter Renfro. Actually, no, I'm going to stick with Darren Wall because there was an interesting... <laughs> Someone asked me an interesting question about Darren Waller and his turf toe video. I just want to touch on this real quick. And they asked me basically, what did I think of it? Is it a big deal? Now, the turf toe video is the single from his album, Walking Miracle. And my response to the person's question on Twitter, I forgot the person's name, my apologies, but I basically said, at worst, it's tone deaf. I'm not trading Darren Waller for, for a video that was probably pre-planned release. He had no idea that the Raiders would crap the bed Thursday night against the Los Angeles Rams with Baker Mayfield uh, leading, the, leading the way for them. But the, the, the night that that happened, the track dropped, and a lot of people had, had opinions about it. And I get it. It's not even just about the video. Because just think about your relationships with people, right? Usually when you finally go off on a person, you snap at a person, it's usually not just one thing. It's an accumulation of things. And I think that's the same goes for Darren Waller. Uh, not being healthy at training camp. A lot of people made a big deal of him being at the Padres game with Kelsey Plum. Uh, missing several games. I uh, remember he had to come out of the Chiefs game when the Raiders were absolutely handling the Chiefs early in the first half and, and lost it in the second. But we won't talk about that. And then he had some practices where he was stretching before games. I remember specifically before the Saints game, he was out in the field stretching out his hamstrings and everything. And I remember Vincent Bonsignor of the Las Vegas Review Journal saying he thinks Waller looks good enough to go. And it turns out he wasn't good enough to go. So a lot of fans are like, well, what's going on there? The next thing you know, Waller goes on IR along with Hunter Renfro. So I think accumulation of him just not being available just has fans frustrated. And the fact that that video dropped the day that the Raiders crapped the bed against the Rams just made it that much worse. But I've been on record saying this, and I'll say it again. If Darren Waller continues to battle injuries into training camp next year, which would be his third consecutive training camp dealing with injuries, I trade him to the best bid, for the best bid, for the best proposal. Because at this point, as I said, on the other side of 30... You don't get healthier as a player. You know, it, it usually goes downhill. If you've been dealing injuries before, it usually just gets worse. And Waller has to be available. I get he's a special player, special pass catcher with his size, 6'6", 250. There's not a lot of players like that. But what good is it if he's only on the field for about 50% of the games and you're paying him top dollar? Now, if he wasn't getting paid top dollar and you were giving him $5 million a year, fine. You know, you can ride it out with that. But you're, he's he's arguably, the, not arguably, but in terms of average annual value, he's the highest paid tight end making $17 million per year. He should be on the field and he should be producing. So get him back on the field, get him healthy, and get him in tune with Derek Carr. Now, let's move on to Hunter Renfro. Now, that when he when Josh McDaniels came over, a lot of people quickly compared Hunter Renfro to Julian Edelman and Wes Welker. You know, white, white receivers. Easy comparison, right? But, um... He's not that yet, obviously. He, he can be. He can produce on the level of those two wide receivers. But it's going to take time. I remember there was a uh, mailbag question. A woman in California asked Scott and I, what's going on with Hunter Renfro? And I answered and I said, he has to get used to the system. It, I know Hunter Renfro doesn't look like a young guy. I'm just joking here. But it is his first time in a new system. 
John Gruden drafted him. Now you're going into, I know they had Greg Olson there because John Gruden had to resign, whatever, but still pretty much in the same system with Olson and Gruden running similar things. But now he's in a new system under Josh McDaniels, so everyone's going through the learning process. So I think that's part of the reason why he looks shaky. He's not a 10-year veteran. He's only been in the league since 2019, so you got to give him time to adjust. Why I want him back on the field is because I want him to be able to work on his ball security. He's had a couple of games now over the past year where he's had two fumbles in the same game. Week 14 last year against the Browns, and we all remember week two against the Cardinals because one of those fumbles resulted in a touchdown in overtime that led Arizona Cardinals to a victory. So he's got to work on his ball security. He fumbles a lot, but he doesn't lose a lot of fumbles. And, and, and I pointed that out when it happened against the Cardinals that Hunter Renfro, if you watched him over the past three, three years, he's had a lot of fumbles, but fortunately the Rays have been able to recover those fumbles. It just so happened now it started to pop up that the other team is recovering those fumbles, so now it becomes a big deal, but he's always had these ball security issues. Now, a lot of people say he needs to bulk up a little bit. I would agree with that. He's, he's listed at 5'10", 185 pounds, and he's a receiver that goes over the middle, gets these third downs, gets hit by linebackers and safeties. He's going to have the bulk up to be able to absorb those hits so defenders don't jar, jar the ball loose. So because of his role, and he's also involved with special teams, because of his role, He's got to be a little bit stronger, and he's got to work on his ball security. That has to be the main thing he works on for the rest of the season. If he comes back to play, if he comes back to play, or even on the offseason, work on your ball security issues. I remember Josh McDaniels pointed that out with Josh Jacobs, that he had some ball security issues, and he didn't have nearly as many fumbles as, as Hunter Renfro. And I know Josh Jacobs recently had a fumble, but for the most part, he's been steady with that. And I think he needs Hunter Renfro needs to... Tap, tap Josh Jacobs on the shoulder and ask him, like, what did you do to improve your ball security? Because I need to do the same. Uh, the other thing is not so much what Hunter Renfro needs to do, but what Josh McDaniels needs to do. And I think he needs to let Hunter Renfro freelance a bit. Let him run his double China routes. He's been praised for his route running. Let him do his things. I, I remember one of our mailbag uh, questions raised the point that Hunter Renfro wasn't quite comfortable when he first came to the league because he had to learn how to do things his way and Gruden had to let him do certain things his way now he had to work within the system but as far as his route running Gruden gave him some freelance power to not do what he wants but to kind of add his spice to certain things I think Josh McDaniels should do the same and if he does that I'm not saying Renfro will all of a sudden be Julian Edelman or Wes Welker but he'll be a lot better than he was before he got hurt Again, only 21 catches for 192 yards, 9.1 yards per catch. That's a career low for him and zero touchdowns. So something going on there, he has to adjust. And also the coach staff has to adjust to him. So again, it's good to see Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller back. Hopefully they get to take the field for two or three games before the season ends because they need to build that momentum going into the next season. I'm going to step aside and next... We're going to talk about catfishing. Yes, this, this is dating mixed with football. It all makes sense. Just give me a second. I'm going to step aside. Be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Ritter Nation, you're back with Mo Moten again, flying solo today for my co-host, Scott Gobranson, who's out with COVID. Uh, I'm going to talk catfishing on silver and black today which is an odyssey original podcast please subscribe uh so we're we're gonna go we're gonna dig deep into the waters here okay ladies i'll ask you a question have you ever met a guy who said he was six foot or taller but you met him and he was about five nine five nine and a half guys have you ever met a woman for the first time without the fancy instagram filters and you Found out she had a missing tooth. Turns out she photoshopped that missing tooth in when, when you made her laugh for the first time. And you found out, wow, she's she got a gap in her smile there. Nothing wrong with gaps, but if you got a whole missing tooth, that's a problem. I feel like the Raiders have catfished us in a specific way like this. It's kind of like meeting that person for the first time that, you, that you've been talking to online. You're, and you have this certain image of a person. And when you finally get to see this person in, in, you know, in real time, you're like, wow, this is not what I expected. And I feel that way about the Raiders. I'm, tell me if you feel the same way. Now, let's go back to the offseason, right? What do we remember that Josh McDaniels emphasized? Limit the penalties. Limit the turnovers. Right? Players were running laps. If they made mental errors, they committed penalties. They had to run laps. I remember Andre James talking about it. I remember Derek Carr talking about it. I remember a lot of the players talking about this. This is their thing that if you make a mistake, regardless of whose fault it is, you got to run some laps, right? They go through the preseason. They limit penalties. That was a thing with me and Scott. We talked about after every preseason game. Look how, look how much, look how few penalties the Raiders committed. You know, they didn't make a lot of mental errors. They didn't turn the ball over. That's the most important thing. Now I know the preseason is very much different than the regular season when you're playing against second and third stringers. I get that, but we were sold a an image of the Raiders that this was going to be a more polished, accountable less boneheaded team they were going to make less 
repeated mistakes. And if they made those mistakes, they were going to go back and correct them. And you wouldn't see it that much during the season. So we're thinking, okay, this Raider team is going to be more buttoned up, more disciplined. Josh McDaniels comes from the Patriots coaching tree where Bill Belichick says, do your job. If you do your job, everything else falls into place. And we're expecting not the Patriot way, but we're expecting a, a more a more disciplined Raider team with fewer penalties throughout the season. Well, guess what? There's some good news and some bad news. The good news is the Raiders are one of four teams with 13 penalties, which is the second fewest league-wide. Credit goes to Josh McDaniels there. He, he fixed that issue. The Raiders are not a team that's going to beat themselves by turning the ball over. But, but the Raiders are tied for fourth in penalties with 86. And I know what fans are going to say. I know what some fans are going to say. Oh, the refs hate us. The refs hate the Raiders. You know, going to the season, the, the Raiders are going to get flagged the most because the NFL has something out for the Raiders going back to the Al Davis years. I get it. But we're not going to play victim today. And I've talked about that with Murph on the postgame show on Thursday that, you know, we, we get we know the history between Al Davis and the NFL. We get it. Went to court and everything. It was a back and forth. We, we understand that. But we're so far removed from that right now. You know, we have to look ahead and we have to look at accountability because this show is all about accountability. We're not playing victim here. Oh, what was us? The Raiders, the refs, are, the refs are out to get us. If you watch any game on the NFL, on Sunday, Monday, Thursday, every team has has a has a call where they're they're disputing it, saying, "Oh, the refs have it out for us." You know, why are the refs calling this? This is a questionable call. You see, question. I've watched the NFL. I I cover the league on Sundays. You see questionable calls. Literally in every game. It's not just the Rays, I promise you. But this goes back to my point about lack of accountability, and it's why the Raiders are partially why the Rays are in this mess. And I'm going to say, it wasn't the refs who made Jerry Tillery smack the football out of Baker Mayfield's hand on that, on that drive on last Thursday. It wasn't the refs who made Cleveland Farrell jump offside on a punt. Not a third down, not a third and long, on a punt. Cleveland Farrell jumped offside on a punt. That's a boneheaded penalty. Jermaine Illuminar right now has seven penalties alone. Leaves the team with seven penalties. This shocked me when I saw this and I looked this up. Mac Hollins has six penalties. A wide receiver. A wide receiver has six penalties. You cannot tell me that's all because the refs hate the Raiders. Thayer Mumford has four penalties. I get it. He's a rookie. Dylan Parham has three. I get it. He's a rookie. Even Cole Miller has four. And, I, you know, the Colt Miller discussion needs to be had on a separate show. I, I think he's a good offensive tackle. I don't think he's an all-pro or pro ball as a lot of people, a lot of fans think he is. I think he's just a really good offensive tackle, and that's fine. But he has four penalties. So I just read you four or five players that make up maybe a third of the Raiders' penalties right off the top of my head, right? Well, it's in my notes, not the top of my head. I wouldn't give myself that much credit, but the point still stands. The refs aren't making these mistakes for the Raiders. The Raiders are making these mistakes. And again, I feel like during the offseason, we were sold that this team would be a little more buttoned up, a little more discipline, split discipline, less penalties, less boneheaded plays. And what do we get? Jerry Tillery. What do we get? Cleveland Farrell jumping offside on a punt. I, I, I don't remember the last time I've seen someone jump offside on a punt. And it wasn't, a, you know, and they didn't think it could be a fake. He was apparently trying to block the punt and... Let's be honest, Cleveland Fred was not blocking that punt. But again, it's just stupid penalties. 
uh, boneheaded penalties. I'm not calling the player stupid. I'm saying that it's a low IQ type of penalty, and you you got to be a lot better than that. And it has nothing to do with the referees. Again, we had the Raiders have to take accountability for their mistakes, and I just feel like we thought they were this year. We thought this year was going to be the year we were going to see a more disciplined Raider squad. And and with more discipline and fewer penalties, you're going to win more football games because you're not going to beat yourself. Because, again, Josh McDaniels comes from the Patriots where they're known for not beating themselves. They're going to let the other team beat themselves and they're going to take advantage of those opportunities. And that's, I think, what a lot of us, including myself, expected the Raiders to be. I'm not saying they were going to be the Patriots in year one. But they're still top five in the league in penalties. I expected that penalty number to go down, and it hasn't. That's my concern going forward is can Josh McDaniels rein that in? Now, I know there's only so much a coach can do because he can't do things for the players. This is on the players. They have to, again, the A word, accountability. They have to take accountability for their mistakes, and they have to go back to the drawing board, clean them up. What happened? Why was I off? Why did I draw an offsides penalty? Tillery just had a brain fart moment, I guess. I don't know what the issue was there, but, you know, why am I getting all these holding penalties? Is it my technique? Why am I getting pass interference on a, on a big drive? That was a Meek Robinson. Now, Meek Robinson doesn't have a lot of penalties this year, but that, that one hurt because Deron Harmon had an interception wiped out because of that penalty. Again, the rest didn't make that penalty. The rest didn't force a Meek Robinson to grab the arm of the receiver. That was on him. They showed the replay. Clearly, he grabbed the guy's arm. That's on Amik. That's not on the refs. So again, I I think we've been catfished, y'all. The Raiders told us they were 6'4 with a flawless smile and come to find out they're 5'8 with yellowish, brownish, coffee-stained teeth. I mean, that, you know, not the height that they said they were, not the flawless smile that they said they had. And we're seeing some of the same issues. And it's amazing that no matter who's the head coach, no matter who's the offensive coordinator, no matter who's the defensive coordinator, the Raiders still commit these penalties. And I think until they stop beating themselves in that regard, they're going to be stuck in this holding pattern where they're going to, they could be good, but there's always that, yeah, but they could be a lot better if, 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 if this. But And I think penalties are one thing. You can, you can fix that right away with focus. And Derek Carr has come to the podium this year and, and, and talked a lot about practice and Things transferring from the practice field to regular games and guys talking about urgency. and folk, I think all of that plays in, into and factors into the Raiders' boneheaded penalties. And until they fix that, they'll have trouble getting over the hump because it's hard enough to win in the NFL. Players will tell you that. It's hard enough to win in the NFL against teams that are trying to beat you. When you do things that beat yourself, so to speak, you make it that much harder. And then you lose close games. And then you're in this one possession games and you, and you wonder why the Raiders lose in the fourth quarter or collapse or have these meltdowns. Part of it, not all of it, but part of it is because they beat themselves with penalties. And they have to fix that. And I hope when Josh McDaniels comes to the podium next summer, next spring, and he, he, he doesn't harp on it too much that he's trying to fix penalties, but we just see it. Because we've already heard the song and dance already. We need to see it on the field. We need to see the results. Hopefully that's the problem they fix because I'm tired of being catfished by the Rays who head coaches come in and say, we're going to be better in this area and better in that area, and it just doesn't happen. 
Okay, so that was my catfish segment. If you didn't like it, fine. If you loved it, subscribe to the podcast. Silver and Black Today. Again, we have a third third rated podcast on the network. Scott likes to say we like to boast about that. Third rated podcast on the network as far as downloads, listens. So please support the podcast. I still have one more segment to close out. I'm going to button it up a little bit and be a little more serious because I have to pay tribute. But I also want to preview the game and we'll do that on the other side. Be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, Raider Nation. This is the Silver and Black Today podcast, an Odyssey original podcast. You're with Mo Moten coming down to the final stretch. And of course, as usual on Thursday, Scott and I usually break down the Raiders' upcoming opponent. This time, that is the Patriots, but I'll be doing that by myself for my co-host who's out under the weather. So let's get into it. Uh, before I do, Actually, before I do that, I have a preview from our producer, David Stepanian, who's going to talk about the Raiders' upcoming opponent, the New England Patriots. After a long week for the Raiders and a short week for the Patriots, an interesting matchup finds its way to Las Vegas as New England continues its playoff hunt in a tough AFC East. On the other side, the Raiders coming off their fourth blown 13-plus point lead of the season, which tied an NFL record. Coach Josh McDaniels knows how important finishing games will be if they want to spoil New England's playoff hopes. Yeah, you have to look. It's it's 60 minutes, you know, and everybody will point to the last play or the last four plays or the last drive or what have you. But you know, there's plays in every quarter that could have helped us extend the lead. Um, there's things we could have done in all three phases that would have, uh, you know, put us further ahead in games. And look, I mean, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things that you know go into a result in a in a National Football League, and um, you know. There, I, I'm thinking of six or eight or ten of them right now that could have changed some some outcomes of drives either way, you know. So um, <clears throat> these are hard lessons to learn. They are, and uh, you know, the, like I said, playing playing you, you always play to win. We're, we're aggressive and try to do those kind of things, but you know, we're one yard shy of a first down on the fourth and on the third and one, you know, and and um, you know they make a stop there, and if we get it, the game's over, you know. So um, there's a lot of things we could point to right now that. Uh, would have helped us close the game. Derek Carr had a game to forget last Thursday, completing 11 of 20 for 137 yards and no TDs, along with two picks. Josh Jacobs, meanwhile, carried the ball 27 times, his second highest total of the season. So the extra rest days will come in handy for both players. 
The Patriots, meanwhile, are coming off a cursed Monday night football game where three of their starters were injured in the first half alone. Pierre Strong, their rookie running back, shined with 70 yards on five carries with a TD to boot and instantly found himself on the watch list of many Patriots fans. With so many storylines heading into this Sunday, Derek Carr knows the keys to victory. You know, it hurts, uh, but we put ourselves in that position, right? And, you know, we, you know, we won, you know, however many games in a row, but it doesn't mean you win the next one. And uh, you try and you know, talk about it, preach about it, you know, uh, you know, work so that doesn't happen. Uh, but it happened to us today, and it's, it's hard. It's tough, but we put ourselves in that position like it's nobody else's fault. I really think it just comes down to the execution of the plays. Um, you know that you know some of the stuff that hurt us in past games. Um, you know that's just what it came down to at the end. It's been 20 years since the Tuck game, but Raider Nation has a long memory, and dealing a serious blow to New England's playoff hopes will be something for fans to cheer about in a season that hasn't had many cheerful moments. New England comes in as a two-point favorite, and after originally being a Sunday night football contest, the game has been flexed to a 1 p.m. kickoff. For Silver and Black Today, I'm David Stepanian. Shout out to David Stepanian. I, I actually owe David uh, a dinner. He, he was in New York recently, and I wasn't uh, unavailable to join him. David, if you're listening, my apologies again. When you're back in New York City, hit my line. We'll have some steak. We'll talk about Raiders, the positive stuff, not the negative stuff, and anything you want to discuss. But on to the Raiders' upcoming opponent. Did you watch Monday Night Football? Did you watch the Patriots and the Cardinals? I know it was a tough watch for anybody uh, because it wasn't exactly two high-performing offensive attacks. But the Patriots made it interesting because their defense absolutely dominated the Cardinals' makeshift, makeshift offensive line. I believe the Cardinals had one original start in Kelvin Beecham at right tackle. And um, Matt Judon and Joss Uche, they're becoming a, a dynamic duo. Both of them have 10-plus sacks. I believe Uche has 10. Matt Judon has 14-and-a-half, and he's tied with Nick Bosa to lead the league in sacks. So those, those two guys are legit. <laughs> the Raiders have to make sure that those two guys don't wreck the game. Uh, that defense as a whole, usually the Patriots have a good defense because of Bill Belichick and his staff. His son, I believe, is also making calls for that unit right now. That defense forced two turnovers, and former Raiders linebacker Raekwon McMillan scooped and scored on a fumble for a touchdown. So it's a legit defense. The Raiders are not going to just go up and down the field on this Patriots team. Uh, I think the problem for the Raiders is going to be the interior of their offensive line. Parham is a rookie who's already allowed 40 pressures. Bars is hurt. He has a knee injury. Josh McDaniels doesn't know if he's going to be available for Sunday's game. They did sign Natane Muthi from the Broncos practice squad. He may have to step in at right guard. If not, it could be a Luminar sliding into right guard with their Mumford playing right tackle. So I expect the Patriots to attack the Raiders' uh, interior gaps. Judon, uh, he's going to put pressure on Parham. He's going to put pressure on Muthi if he plays or a banged up Bars. And the Raiders are going to have to combat that. And how do they do that? You either roll car outside a few times. You have Jakob Johnson play more snaps and provide an extra layer of pass protection. You lean on the short passing game, get the ball out quick. Derek Carr has that quick release. Get the ball to Josh Jacobs and Amir Abdullah. Most importantly, use the Patriots' aggressiveness against them. Run it right up the gut. Which can cause interior pass rushes to overrun a play 
if a if a running back is going up the middle full speed and they're going for the sack. Keep in mind the Patriots' last two opponents, the Bills and Cardinals, have rushed for 132 and 113 yards. And I I know what you're thinking. Josh Allen is mobile, he can run the ball. Nope. He only had 20 yards in that game against the Patriots. It was mostly Devin Singletary and James Cook. On Monday, James Conner had a big game. I know, because he's on my fantasy team. But we won't talk about that. But anyway. With the Patriots struggling against the run a little bit, Josh Jacobs should be able to feast. And even if he doesn't, force the Patriots to respect the ground game and then hit him over the top with the play action. At some point, the big plays will be there if New England respects the run. By the way, Patriots starting cornerback Josh... Not Josh. Jack Jones left with an injury last Monday. Jalen Mills missed the last game because he has a groin injury. So there, there will be, again, there will be some big plays to be had over the top especially if New England plays the run. Derek Hart can go over the top to Devontae Adams or Matt Collins for some big plays and exploit that secondary a bit. I know it's a tough secondary, but you have the game plan design to get your guys open downfield, and I believe the Raiders can do that off of the ground attack. Now, defensively, the Raiders can mirror what the Patriots do in, t- in attacking the interior of the New England Patriots offensive line. They have a rookie in Cole Strange, who's allowed four sacks, committed five penalties this year. Maybe you want to test his pass protection. I also want to see Max Crosby and Chandler Jones attack on the edges. I know you're going to have to respect the run game because the Patriots like to run the ball with Ramondre Stevenson or Damian Harris if he's recovered from a thigh injury. Uh, Kevin Kevin Harris had a touchdown on Monday. Uh, P- Pierre Strong played on Monday, filling in for Ramondre Stevenson, Stevenson who left. So they have a group of running backs. So you got to respect their run game. But I still want to see the, the, the Raiders attack on the edge. And that's because Isaiah Wynn has been out since week 12. Trent Brown's not having a great season. Still a pretty good offensive tackle, but he's allowed eight sacks and committed 11 penalties. So there's some sacks to be had on the edge. The rate, the, not the Raiders, the Patriots are going with a third string right tackle. They have gone with Connor McDermott in the last two games. He's behind Trent Brown, well, actually behind Isaiah Wynn and Yannick Ajust. So they have a third-string right tackle out there. It's a weak link on that offensive line that the Raiders can exploit. As far as the, as far as the defense on the second and third level, Divine Diablo not ready to come back from a forearm injury. Jayon Brown is on IR with a hand injury. We might see more Darian Butler and Luke Masterson. I know Luke Masterson has had some decent moments. But that makes me a little nervous. The Raiders are a little thin at linebacker next to Denzel Perryman. So, I have a proposal. I would like to see more of Isaiah Polamau. That's Troy Polamau's nephew, for those who don't know. I don't want to see more of him just because he's related to a Hall of Famer. That's not where I'm going with it, but I'm just giving you context here. But he Polamau is a hybrid-type player. Listed at 6'4", 211 pounds, has experience as a safety. He can hit. He can cover the shallow areas. I believe he had five picks at USC. Uh, he can match up with Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry because Hunter Henry is not a athletic tight end. He's not a Darren Waller. He doesn't have great speed either. He's not going to shake a defender out of his cleats. Uh, you can have a center match up with him and, and blanket him. You don't want Hunter Henry to break the game open. As we all know, the Raiders through the years have had issues covering tight ends. I would hate to see Hunter, Hunter Henry have over 100 yards for Mac Jones throwing short passes or in the seam. I just, I don't want to see that. The Raiders have to cover up the middle of the field because they are thin at the linebacker position. I think dropping a safety like Isaiah Polamau, who has some cover, coverage skills, 
can really help them in that area. Now, as far as odds makers are concerned, I'm not going to give a prediction. Sometimes Scott and I give predictions on the game. I'm not going to do that. I've been wrong so many times this year with the Raiders. When I expect the Raiders to win, like last week against the Rams, they disappointed me. When I expect the Raiders not to do well, that's when they do well. So I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to say, look, this is what the odds makers say. The, the Patriots are favored by one point. I think it's a 24-21 game either way. But, of course, the Raiders have to learn how to finish. If they get up by 10 or more points in the Patriots, I'm not saying anything until the clock strikes 0-0-0 because we just saw what happened with the Rams and the Raiders all year have had issues holding leads. Part of that is because their offense is stalled. Part of that, their defense is gassed at the end of games. And sometimes the defense just makes poor penalties, commits poor penalties. You saw the boneheaded mistakes. So again, it's a litany of things here. So the Raiders have to stay dialed in. If they jump out quick on the Patriots, keep that momentum going. Hopefully the offense doesn't stall. Hopefully the defense holds up. And they limit penalties and they'll be able to finish the game with a leap as if they get up on the Patriots. But we'll see what happens there. Again, I think it's a field goal either way. I think it's going to be a competitive game simply because these head coaches know each other very well. Obviously, Josh McDaniels has spent years under Bill Belichick. He talked about that today, learning from Bill Belichick. I'm not going to rehash that because we all understand. We all know where Josh McDaniels has come from. We all know who he's learned a lot from. So I won't go over that. But that goes to show that. It has the makings of a close game because of the familiarity. Josh McDaniels isn't that far removed from this Patriots team. He talked about it on Wednesday. He know, he still knows a lot of these players that are on the roster. Now, of course, they've made some additions. Guys have left. Guys have played different roles. They've changed some things, possibly. But he knows that roster. And Bill Belichick knows Josh McDaniels. He knows how Josh McDaniels runs his offense. He knows what he wants to do with his offense. His offense. So there's going to be very few tricks in this game between the Patriots and the Raiders. And I think Josh McDaniel said, you can tweak some things, but a leopard doesn't change his spots. That was my added context about the leopard. But basically said, you can only do but so much as far as changes are concerned. But I do expect a competitive game. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. Now, Nick Folk is a pretty good kicker, but the Raiders have one of the best kickers in the game in Daniel Carlson. And if I had to put my money on someone winning by a field goal, I would put it on the Raiders, but I'm not saying the Raiders are going to win because when I do that, typically they disappoint me, so I'm not I'm not going to go there. But I will say, I think we should prepare for a good game. I think we're going to see a lot of defensive plays made as well. So prepare for that. Uh, but I want to end this, wrap it up. I know this is a Raiders show, but Mike Leach passing away, I believe on Tuesday, a couple of days ago, and there was just an outpouring of respect for him. Uh, a lot of fans, a lot of writers, too. I know Chrissy Freud, who I not work with. I know Scott works with on Bengals material. She's also with Sports Not. Chrissy Freud uh, had a personal wish. Not personal, but she had a direct contact with Mike Leach. And she shared some things. And a lot of other coaches did. Josh McDaniels did. And I just want to say his influence is all over the league. And just from a personal standpoint, I never talk to Mike Leach. I don't have a direct connection with him or anything like that. But I stayed up on Saturday nights to watch Pac-12 after dark to watch Mike Leach coach teams because I knew I was going to see some offense. And he's the reason why I know who Luke Falk and Gardner Minshew are. I still think Gardner Minshew is one of the 
most underrated players in the league, and I think he could still be a starter in the league. I wouldn't mind if the Raiders picked him up as a backup, actually, if they were going to go with a veteran. But back to Mike Leach, I honestly watched a ton of Washington State games with the expectations to see innovation on offense, and Leach usually delivered on that. Of course, he was with Texas Tech before Washington State, and most recently he had three seasons with Mississippi State, leading them to an 8-4 record. But all of that is, is trivial to what he's done for the entirety of the game. Mike Leach will never be forgotten. Rest in peace, coach. Um, just a just incredible, just an incredible legacy as a as a football coach out there, and just the amount of respect just shows you how important he was to the game. So again, uh, rest in peace and condolences to his family. But I want to end on a on a positive note. As I said, I think the Raiders are going to be competitive, and I talked about this with Scott that at this point in the season, when the playoffs are out of reach, you find out who the dogs are in your locker room, who's invested. You know, are they planning their trip to Cancun? Are they planning their off-season trip to wherever they want to go? Or have they checked out? Because the guy, let me tell you something, the guys that checked out or will check out, those guys won't be on the roster next year. The guys who are still playing full throttle, going all in, playing with their hair on fire, all those great cute contacts, you know, those sayings we like to use, hair on fire and all of that stuff, those guys are going to stay on the roster. Those guys have a chance to come back in 2023. So again, just because the playoffs are out of reach doesn't mean you stop evaluating because this keeps going through the offseason. You know, who are the core guys? Who are gonna, who's going to be part of our depth? Because Josh McDaniels said this, and I agree with him today. He said, in November, December, this is when, you're de- this is when your second, third strings have to step up. This is when the depth of your roster has to step up and play well because this is the reality of the NFL. You're not going to have a completely healthy roster. And he said this. He said, this is why you look at the roster, not as a 53-man roster, but a 69-man roster that includes the practice squad because guys on the practice squad are going to be called up to play eventually. That's just the nature of the game. So what I'll be looking at other than Derek Carr in the red zone, how the Raiders handle the Patriots' pass rush, how they handle their thin linebacker core, I want to see how passionate they are about the game. How they finish. Are they going to finally finish a game if they get a lead? Let's say they go up by 13 points. Do they finally show that they could play 60 minutes and have focus and not commit silly penalties? You know, so the, again, the evaluation period continues. You can still improve at this point in the season, even with backups in, even at your current record of 5-8. and eight, There are still strides to be made. So now... I'm going to close this out by saying get well soon, get well soon Scott Gobranson. Uh, appreciate you having me on solo to do this. I'm not a solo guy. I, full disclosure, I, I came into this as a writer, and Scott has really trusted me with the show not to uh, destroy it within a couple of days and get on here and talk to you guys about Raiders football and all matters around it. So I appreciate him, and I appreciate you guys and gals listening to me and bearing with me as I filter through this and go through these segments alone and, and just chat about Raiders as I normally would in a barbershop over a dinner with someone personally who asked me, like, how are the Raiders doing? This is normally how I would talk to them and have little small stupid jokes and talk about off-tangent things and, you know, link things off with, uh, with analogies. It, it's the fun thing to do. I, I really enjoy doing this. So, again, thanks for sticking with me through this solo act. This is a Silver and Black Today podcast, an Odyssey original podcast. Hopefully, Scott is back on Sunday. But if he isn't, 
I will be with you next week because I'm healthy. Hopefully Scott gets healthy. Take care of yourself, Raider Nation. Stick with us. Again, number three podcast on the Artist Network. Continue to support us. We appreciate you. Thank you.